Welcome to Trade Finance Talks, a podcast from Trade Finance Global. During this series, we'll be hearing from global experts, as well as learning about the latest trends, technology and insights in the world of international trade and receivables finance. Episode 34. So the partnership with Polestar is very exciting to me because this is one of the aims of the Marco Polo Network is essentially to grow the use of trade finance. And with that, you are growing the volumes. Our technologies really need to be able to, to be engineered, to be bespoke around each individual client's risk parameters and make a process that is complex, simple, fast and doable in seconds. My name is Pesh Patel, editor at Trade Finance Global. Today, we're delighted to be joined by Simon Ring at Polestar and Nick Barnes at TradeAX and the Marco Polo Network. This podcast is really about the intersection between freight forwarding, trade and regulatory technology. So I'm going to start with a quick introduction. So Nick, great to have you on the show. Elevator pitch, 30 seconds. Who are you? Where are you from? And what do you do? Thank you very much, Depeche. My name is uh, Nick Barnes. I am the manager of the Marco Polo Business Network with TradeIX. My role within TradeIX is just to holistically manage the development and the propagation of the Marco Polo Network and to provide the operational support to enable this. Thanks very much, Nick. Simon, over to you. Yeah, I'm Simon Ring. I head up the, um, for a company called Polestar Global. We're one of the world's leading maritime technology companies. And I head up our financial markets and regulatory technologies systems called Purple Track. These are systems and solutions that were built with the commodity and trade financing banks, trading companies around the world in order to automate, streamline and record complex compliance process, saving time, money and so on. The company itself operates across many different dimensions of the maritime sector. We have around 1,100 shipping companies that use our technologies, over 50 governments, flag administrations, and ever-increasing number of of actors and players in the the trade and financing sectors. Thank you very much, Simon. So, Nick, very exciting announcement this week, which was a partnership between the Marco Polo Network and Polestar. Can you explain to me in a bit more detail what this partnership is about? So the partnership with Polestar is very exciting to me because this is one of the aims of the Marco Polo Network is essentially to grow the use of trade finance. And with that, you are growing the volumes. Now, when you're growing the volumes of trade finance, it's only so much that can be done manually and in a truly compliant compliant way. With that, with solutions that Polestar provides, this allows our banks and our corporates to have access to to a solution to this problem, to so continue to be able to process more transactions, do more business, while at the same time not having to dramatically increase headcount. Great. So I think let's take things back to the basics, and uh, you know, j- just come back from Bath, and we heard Robert Barnes doing doing excellent uh, an excellent panel session. So, what is TradeX? What is Marco Polo? What is Corda and what is R3? And I want to hear from yourself, the experts here. Uh, we'll start with the Marco Polo Network. So the Marco Polo Network is a network of connected banks, corporates, insurance providers, logistics providers, and technology providers such as Polestar. The aim of it is to be built in such a way where it's able to be interconnected. So you're able to have a sort of connect once to connect to many effect. So it's not about, it's not 
uh, n number of participants having to manage bespoke connections of each other. It's all done in that one area. Now, in order to facilitate this, TradeX is essentially the developer and the technology provider on the network. That is our role. That is the, the main products we've shown recently and that we have out there in regards to trade finance. That is where we provide. Now, if you have a look over overarching at all, it's all built on R3's quarter solution. Now, quarter is a distributed ledger technology that it's proven to be within the financial industry, quite a uh, the sort of headline solution, as far as I've seen. And R3 is the developer of quarter. Okay. That makes a lot more sense now. And thank you very much. Simon, why this strategic partnership? Because I know I spoke to you back in, uh, I think November, December, and, and you were excited about something you couldn't tell us about. <laughs> <laughs> so tell, tell, tell me more. Yeah, you know, I think there's, there's a few key things. Um, one, it's, I mean, Nick and his team and, and me and my teams of Pulsar have been talking to each other for well over a year now. So it's, it's, it's been something that we've, we've been working on quietly behind the scenes. But whilst it's nice to work with like-minded people, there, there's a few core things we kind of recognized from, from the get-go. And that was the problem you're trying to fix, you know, paper-based trade, the complexities, and the reason that, that we're seeing so much, so much disruption in these areas, we agree on, on that pro, as a process, which is important. The idea that you, you, no one single company is going to fix big industry issues. Our alliance partners, Dow Jones, um, in conjunction with the TIX teams, Marco Polo, the banks around it, R3, we've all worked very closely towards making this announcement. I think lastly, the key thing for me is that the realization of, of our technologies, the cornerstones and foundations of the Marco Polo technologies and ours are very similar. They work on the basis that what trade needs is automation. It needs speed. It needs to be streamlined. A lot of it needs to be recorded and shared. And all of those, those principles are, are the foundations of our purple track systems and are very much the cornerstones, I think, of Marco Polo. Thanks very much. So I guess I'm going to ask you a little bit more about the real details and how this could work a little bit later, but let's take a step back and look at the current trends in reg tech, regulatory technology, and perhaps we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about Polestar Purple Track. Now, Trade Finance Global did our 2020 predictions, and we also took, a, took a, I guess, a backward-looking view on 2019 trends. And Danny Cotty, along with other 20 other or 19 other experts in, in trade, every single respondent mentioned the regulatory and compliance hurdles. Mm -hmm continuing to be a challenge. What are the current trends and how can technology help alleviate those because we don't see the compliance regulatory hurdles kind of going down? Compliance and regulatory hurdles move in a ratchet. It jumps, it never goes backwards. So essentially what's happening then is you move to a position where you can no longer throw people at a problem. It becomes not only inefficient, but it just doesn't get you any more throughput. So from my perspective, the current trend is for looking for technology that can be designed, can be integrated into workflows in such a way that it's not a, uh, the IT equivalent of in and out trade, right? Where you've got processes, decisions that happen within an orchestration in a traffic light, yes, no fashion. Because you know, there's no, if you tell, a, a, if you provide a you know, 30 page report to someone who's doing a bad process like a trade finance application, transaction, what happens is that essentially you're just increasing their workload. You're not giving them. There hasn't been that sort of overarching, yes, it's, it's green light or red light. 
So from my perspective, that's the overall trend. Next thing is just the convergence of potentially sort of multiple data sources and perhaps even looking at sort of compliance by, by consensus where you're not dealing with single source anymore, you're dealing with multiple versions of the same source across the network. And that's really what we're trying. The one of the aims of the Marco Polo network is to enable that. Thanks very much, Nick. So Simon, going into more of the details on the technology and yourselves as, as leaders in the regulatory technology space within trade finance, how does the technology currently work? I, how do banks, traders, etc., work with your system and how does that work in real life? Yeah, I mean, coming back to the reasons why, I guess, the reality of, of our alliance and collaboration is built around the fact that I think nearly 90% of everything on our planet, world trade is moving by shipping and maritime transportation. It's recognized by regulators now as the primary method of moving illicit goods. And we've seen an enormous increase in regulatory focus on all areas of maritime trade and supply chains, not just banks, the corporates that are importing and exporting goods, the insurers around that, flag administrations. There's been a a real sea change to capture but in this concept. And you can see that from most of the major regulators. The banks that we see that use our system, our system is, has been established for three, four years, and it, and it has users in the top tier one institutions in banking and commodity and trade financing, along with many, many of the big trading companies around the world, and a growing number of supply chain companies and, and, and institutions that suffer with these, these exposures. Our systems and what good reg tech should do is aggregate data and make things fast, automated and recordable. And I think that's understanding that everybody within the trade and the financing of it community have different risk parameters. Our technologies really need to be able to, to be engineered, to be bespoke around each individual client's risk parameters and make a process that is complex, simple, fast and doable in seconds. And the reality of that speed and automation, again, is very much in line with the Marco Polo essence and ethics around you know, speed and automation of trade. So let's say I'm a very large commodity trader and I currently use your system to perhaps track my goods, know my suppliers, know my customers, customer, do all the due diligence, etc. How can this partnership, I guess, deepen and give a better, more reliable experience to the yeah. clients? I think in the first part, you have to have a, a screening process that banks go through and vessel screening now is a pretty much binary process for most institutions. The reality of engineering a solution around screening a vessel before you engage with it is key. And then obviously there's the, what we call monitoring of that transaction. So if you're the bank financing or the trader trading, the reality of monitoring that vessel is not just its logistics, not where it goes, where it doesn't go, but is being able to monitor the regulatory status of all the ownership and management around it during the transaction. And of course, it's, it's vital to be able to record that in an automated fashion. So that's kind of in a snapshot how people will use our, our systems. And I think one of the reasons they, they work extremely well in terms of the collaboration with TIX and Marco Polo is again, based on the fact that we can make things, do things that are complex, we can do those in seconds and give the banks and institutions on the Marco Polo platforms stop go results in seconds, which is key to the, the processes within Marco Polo. Okay, so I'm going to play devil's advocate here. Obviously, a lot of people might be concerned with the, 
it's the peer-to-peer nature of DLT and also perhaps the idea that you could be sharing competitive data with some of your other fellow traders, which you might not want to do. Why is the Marco Polo partnership, Nick, allowing this perhaps not to happen? So it's permissioned across the network in a peer-to-peer fashion. You have to, and part of the initialization of a program is you dictating what data gets shared. This is when you're dealing with a, a two parties, so a bilateral essentially between them, it's a lot clearer. But when you start dealing with banks involved in certain process, so if you're looking at a payable solution here where there's a bank that is perhaps financing things along, uh, along the way, the ability to stipulate what is being shared across is, is vital. It's important. That's why solutions that are just, oh, we get the whole data set and then we globally broadcast that. That is a trouble. And the reason why I'm, we're very interested, we're very, uh, we look at Polestar as a, as a great technological provider is because a binary stock note is vital for these processes because all it needs to say is that in a workflow, if you're at a bank, their compliance officer has gone, I'm set, they've set their parameters in Polestar. And then your traders who are then looking at the transaction itself, they just need to know it's a yes or no. And that's all that needs to be shared on the network. Even not even shared on the network. That could just remain within there. It's just whether or not, depending on the parameters, it, they wish that to be shared with their other participants in the transaction. And Simon, do you see this as some of the current challenges that could potentially be addressed? And what are the other wider challenges you see within the cargo ship landscape? As we mentioned earlier on, obviously that there is a focus now across the whole supply chains in, in the maritime sectors, which have a cause and effect. Somebody told me recently that uh, there's a change in financial market regulations every seven or eight minutes. And it's a very complex landscape. It is focused in these areas specifically now. We deal a lot with regulators as well as listening to our customers. So we have a very good idea of what it is that people need to do in terms of these third-party regulations and all the exposures now. And we've got a pretty good, pretty good functionality roadmap of what we think will be coming in the future. And coming back to the integration with Marco Polo, it's important that your technology keeps a pace with that regulatory change, which is complex. But it's also important, the primary driver for all of the things that we do in collaboration is keeping things fast, automated, but keeping them simple. So for example, if you have a bank that's using our own technologies now, we're going to give them the ability, we've already built our test nodes on quarter. So that's available now to test. But the reality is nobody really knows how fast the migrations will happen from current business as usual to the Marco Polo platforms. So this gives a single service solution that's UI API or DLT enabled. So banks can make that migration as the corporate customers doing it again focus on keeping things really simple. Does a bank who is perhaps not already on the Marco Polo network, but perhaps already using Polestar's technology, are they able to kind of get started? I mean, like to join the Marco Polo network, you need to be a member of Marco Polo as a whole, just simply from a legal standpoint there. I mean, the the great news about the systems is they're, they're independent, but work together, right? So if you're a bank that purchases on uh, the deals with a participant that is on Marco Polo. So they, we've got a, a corporate that does most of their transactions from Marco Polo, but there's a certain jurisdiction that they have to use another bank for. Nothing to stop that other bank using PubTrack. 
So the, the idea in moving forward is you need to have flexibility in this because if, if from a developer's perspective, if there is a tectonic shift in the maritime uh, compliance space, one, I'm probably not going to know about it as quickly as Polestar is. Two, I've then got to fit, if, I, if it's a bespoke solution within, within my network, I've then got to fit that into my development mm -hmm. queue. And moving forward, that is why collaboration and connectivity yeah. is so important, because I just I mean, can't do everything. Well, just to add to that, I mean, a classic example of what Nick's referring to is, more recently, we've seen the US Treasury and OFAC issuing advisories. So advisories incorporate, in many contexts, shipping companies' names of vessels. Won't be captured by your normal screening solutions because they're not designated entities. So the idea that we can work in collaboration with Dow Jones on those kind of data requirements for banks, that's the kind of thing where collaboration really, really works because we can define those parameters and people can choose whether they want to screen against those advisories, the non-designated entities or not. So that's just one example of where I think yeah, global collaboration in terms of all the companies that are around this work really well together. So Simon, what's next? Because I think the most important thing now for some of your corporate and bank and operator clients, how can they quickly demonstrate ROI through this partnership and how is it going to immediately bring benefits? <laughs> ROI and compliance, that, there's, there's, a, there's a subject matter that's been going around for a long time. I think, I think the reality is that with all of the concepts, all the disruption we're seeing in all areas of, of trade and financing uh, of trade, there is a reality that speed and automation in process is gonna save a lot of time and money. I think that's well documented industry. Our part to this really going forward, without giving away too much of our IP, is something we discussed with Marco Polo. And the, the great thing is, when you get into outside of screening and into the world of logistics, there's a huge amount that can be done that supports the financing programs of banks. And we think that having the banks within Marco Polo talking to us about themes, issues uh, around this will make this whole process, again, much more simplistic and faster to achieve. But I'm not going to tell you what they are. <laughs> we'll we'll save we'll save that for next time. Yeah. And I think you know that was one of the key points that came out of our DLT for trade white paper that we launched towards the end of last year. And actually, the industry does still operate in in silos. And the more we can increase collaboration between the different verticals, the better. And end the podcast well, on one final question. And I guess, Nick, over to you. What are the key takeaways you would like listeners to take away from this podcast with regards to this Polestar and Marco Polo partnership? The key thing for me is, is don't be afraid to be open and collaborate across and, and to have these discussions. And, and don't, don't think that one solution can do absolutely everything to everyone. You have to, this is a new way of, of working and it's uh, something that a lot of our partners and ourselves, you know, have to get used to because if we don't start looking at networks and how we are able to interoperate with each other and how that's able to integrate with flows, what we're going to have happen is we're going to be moving away the, we're going to be taking people out of dealing with just day-to-day -day operations and they're going to be into maintaining bespoke connections between solutions. Whereas when we were in a collaborative space within a network, you were able to really have that ability to have a connect once to connect to many and to have that affect your, your operations in an extremely positive fashion. Thank you very much. I think partnership and collaboration is certainly something that we at TFG will be 
reporting on quite a lot in the next 12 months and actually most of our 2020 predictions uh, guys really did point to partnership as the way forward so I'm sure we'll be hearing a lot more out of this partnership. Nick, Simon, thank you very much for joining us on Trade Finance Talks. Pleasure, thanks. Thanks for listening to Trade Finance Talks. Be sure to subscribe to our podcasts at tradefinanceglobal.com. 